Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. I wonder, have you ever been in one of those situations where you just get completely the wrong end of the stick? All right? I always do this, always do this, right? And so I go to my wife and I say, have you got an example of the time where you said something to me and I've got the complete wrong end of the stick and I have done it completely wrong? And she's like, yeah. I said, you can think of a couple. She's like, I can think of a hundred. I could think of a thousand. But she did help me with some of these things. So I've got some times where something's misinterpreted on the screen here. So we've got to the first slide. Okay, the first one, actual tweet. I love when I can smell a guy's colon as he walks by. <laughs> not, not cologne, no, colon. Yep, not right. And down the bottom here, it's quite faint. Now, um, it's someone's name spent two hours doing a project on youth in Asia to find out it's supposed to be on euthanasia completely misinterpreted we got one more as well um this one as a kid i remember going to the doctor and he said to me how's your stool i patiently told him we had chairs and they were all fine (laughs) all right have you ever had one of those moments where you've you've sent the text wrong or the comma is in the wrong place yeah but mine, my, my biggest one, is my tone is wrong. So I, I say the right thing, just in the wrong way. All right? It's, it's okay. I'm used to it now. All right? I just apologize to people a lot more <laughs> than I used to. But do you know what? I think that we're not unique in this. All right? I think lots of other people struggled with this whole being on the same page side of things. All right, And this is where we come to the final of the series about Antioch and the secret of what made that church grow, succeed. But also, it's no coincidence that we're on the eve Sunday before we are one. Because what I am talking about today could be self-titled as we are one. Or unity, togetherness and connectedness. Now I'm going to read from the passage that we've been using which is Acts 11, it says, The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So I was intrigued by this. So we've been going through this Antioch thing, right? And we've learned a lot about this guy called Barnabas. Now, typically of me is I'm thinking, who is this dude? Who's this guy? Who's Barnabas? Where did he come from? Where's his history? And why is he qualified to be leading this church in Antioch? And also, why is he responsible for helping it grow further than it's already been growing? So, I did some digging. And also, one of the other things I was intrigued about is where did they learn about this everybody working together and bringing things together and pooling their resources? Well, actually, it's in Acts 4 is when we first see Barnabas. So Acts 4, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Interesting. Role modeled already to Barnabas. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. 
sharing a resource. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Could you imagine a church where everybody had their needs met? Wow. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from their sales, and put it to the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the introduction of Barnabas, which we realize actually was Joseph. That's his original name. But then he got renamed son of encouragement, which we've learned about from Liam. All right. So that's where he is. But one of the things I wanted to pick up on was the fact that this was role modelled. So unity, the connectedness and togetherness was already role modelled, and this is where Barnabas got it from. So unity, if we're to define it, because it's good to define things, is the state of being one or oneness. The state or fact of being united or combined into one as, as of the parts of a whole. Can anyone remember a scripture where it talks about us being individual items of a body? Yeah. A hand, a foot, an eye, an ear, and yet we're still part of a whole and the whole purpose of those things is not to be isolated but to be connected. Yeah. To be as one. And the last one is oneness of mind and feeling as among a number of persons, concord, harmony, or agreement. Now, we've just read that actually the disciples had, and not just the disciples, the church, had one mind. They had one heart. So they were actually in unity. They had a common purpose, a common goal, a common direction, and a common vision. Which meant they weren't going all over the place and they weren't scattered. So when, when I thought about unity... I started to think about what happens in biology all of the natural world, because this is always a good base point for me, right? So when I started Googling things, I thought about things like, oh, ants, they are connected together. They work in unity, right? Yeah. Everyone's seen the film Ants, where they defeat the locusts, you know, because they work together. Yeah, that's a good thing. I could talk about how unity it makes bronze stronger than its two elements, copper and tin. All right, but either one of them is soft, but put them together and they're stronger. They work together. But no, typically of my mind, I started Googling and then I came up to this picture here. Right, I am so sad because I got down this whole network, this warren of, of horses that just reminded me of people. They've got those unique faces, right? So the next one. I'll let you decide who they look like, but it definitely looks like that one's laughing and that one's doing something cheeky. Yeah? Yeah, that's my two sons, Zach, Ezra. And then this one. Oh. I never want to ride a horse before, but now I just want to stroke it and have it as a pet. But the truth is, the reason I'm talking about this is because... When you pair horses together, they're stronger together than alone. Now, this is, this is the case. When you have one horse, it can actually tow dead weight, not on wheels, one and a half times its body weight. One and a half. You pair it with another horse, each horse collectively can do four times their own body weight. 
So that's quite an incredible thing. So when, it, when we're talking about unity, unity is about sharing loads, right? A load shared is a load halved. Actually, it's not. It's multiplied in terms of your capacity to carry it. So you can not just carry the load, you can carry more than that load together with someone else. All right? Those horses, by the way, are huge. I don't know if you've got a context of how big those horses are. They are massive. They're huge beasts. Okay? Now, so we're talking about unity, which was about sharing load, sharing problems, and going through life together, having a life in common, but also sharing resource. We read in our scriptures earlier on that they actually had lots of things that they sold, that they shared, that there was no one in need because they addressed the need. They shared, right? So I've got these four wonderful pictures, but I actually thought it would be far better if I got four wonderful displays on the platform. So, uh, Ali, can you come up for me, please? Can you uh, hold the screws for me? You've always had a loose screw, so it's okay. Uh, Liam, can you come up for me, please? All right. Now, Lisa, this is you. You're a plank of wood. Yeah. All right. Someone's got a couple of screws loose. The other one's power's gone to his head. The other one's a plank. All right. We're talking about encouragement today as well, right? <laughs> and, and Amy, I want you just to come up here for me and just stand next to them. And I have got a tape measure. World's smallest tape measure. All right. Right. Now, let me, let me ask this objectively. Can Ali build something by herself with her own resource? No. Can Liam? No. Can Lisa? And can Amy? No. So what happens here is we understand in isolation their resource is actually underplayed and actually inactive. They can't use the resource that they have. However, if you start pooling your resources together, it doesn't mean that you're giving up. It means you're being collaborative. You're acting in unity. Because we've got someone who's got resource, someone who's got power, someone who's got the ability to cut down resources and make more, and then we've got somebody who's got brains and knowledge to put them all into perspective. Yeah, I was going to get your dad here, but then I realized that was a mistake too. All right? <laughs> That's true. All right, you guys can pop them down for me. Fantastic. No, that's my drill. That's my impact driver. All right? But the, it's a really simple explanation of why we have to pool our resources, why we share our resources, whether that's physical or whether that's mental. Because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I require a conversation with somebody who knows what they're doing so that then suddenly I can know what I'm doing. And quite a lot of the time they'll say, I can help. And then I learn not just through conversation, but also doing something alongside somebody else. Yeah? Fantastic. Another uh, picture for this, which um, actually only just came to me. Uh, it's actually like four people with separate sandcastle buckets. Each one of them is on the beach. They're building their own sandcastle. This one might be fantastic. This one might be better. This one might have a moat. But ultimately, it's not about building your individual kingdom. It's about coming together to build something bigger. 
You use your buckets, you abandon your small vision to start building towards something bigger and greater that you could ever achieve by yourself. Fantastic. Okay, unity pleases God. Now I'm going to say something, it might be controversial. Okay? His original plan for us was to be in perfect unity with him. And nothing has changed. He still wants to be in perfect unity with you. The only problem that gets in the way is quite a lot of the time is us. (laughs) Our own humanity and our inability to play well with others. I mean, there are disagreements. They cause discord and disunity amongst us. Well, actually, that doesn't please God. But when we work together to a common goal, that pleases God. When he sees a married couple, husband and wife, working together, that they're both on the same page to raise their children to the same beliefs, that pleases him. Because God designed us to be together. Okay. Unity is also the absence of division. It is the absence of divisions. It doesn't mean it's the absence of disagreements. Disagreements are allowed. You're allowed to disagree with people, but the importance with this is you voice it and move on, and it doesn't become a wedge that drives uh, something, a uh, distance between you. Yeah. All right? So I use the acronym SCUD. Satan constantly uses division. If he can get a wedge into the church, which is Christ's body here on earth, to create division, he will. Because he understands that when we come together, when we have unity, that nothing is impossible for us. If I can quote what happened in Genesis with the Tower of Babel, a whole common language was birthed. Everyone was speaking the same language. And actually... God comes down and says, there is nothing that is impossible for these people as they are talking as one language, as they work as one. And at that point is why it's called the Tower of Babel, because it means confusion. He confused the languages, and that's where the languages were born. Now, a wedge or a log splitter is important on this illustration for the simple thing of it starts off small. Sometimes the wedge that caused division in our church and in our lives is a small thing. But the longer you harbor it, the bigger it becomes. It drives you further and further apart. Whereas if you had dealt with it whilst it was a small thing, it would remain exactly that, a small thing, and you've moved on. And to quote Jesus himself in Mark... Mark 3, verse 24, it says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Not to take it out of context, he was talking about the fact that people were accusing him that he is casting out demons on behalf of Satan. Jesus himself was considered to be a Satan worshipper at that point. And he comes back with this statement. But the statement remains true for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God cannot have division and does not have division. If we are to be his kingdom here on earth, if we are his representative, we are his body, it is important that we mend fences quick, that we are slow to anger, we are slow to be offended. Is everyone on the same page as me? Fantastic. Now, there is only one instance that I can find where division is a healthy thing. Division happens when the resources are multiplied first. 
All right. Now, the, the early church was born in house groups, in cells that were distributed around wealthy people's homes that were large enough to hold them. That's how the early church was born. And what would happen is that cell would become so big, that group of people would become so big that it would have to divide. But that didn't take away, it multiplied first. Now, mitosis, to go back to science and go back to school, is the process of cell division. Every single cell in your body, with the exception of one type of cell, has to be reproduced through mitosis. So every single cell, before it becomes two cells, multiplies first, then divides second. There is a biological principle as well as a biblical principle with this because I believe God always multiplies first. He will never leave you empty-handed or under-resourced because of division that he has caused. Yeah, Where you have grown so big that you have to split services, where you have to split cell groups. It's not because something wrong has happened, it's because God has intervened and there's multiplication before division. All right. Just out of interest, if you were, were interested in which cell doesn't reproduce by mitosis, it's um, your reproductive cells. All right? So in a man and a woman, your chromosomes are split twice over, which is why only half of you is going towards your child. It's called meiosis, if you're intrigued, if you're interested. But meanwhile, every other cell is by mitosis, which is why whether it's your skin cells, saliva, whatever it is, all contains your DNA. The same DNA throughout your entire body. All right? That's pretty cool. Now what I want to do is the last one. It's a bit of a funny one. But it's not just about hearing the same instruction, but it's about going in the same direction. All right. It's about going in one direction. For those of you who don't know, that's one direction, okay? That's a band, okay? It's not just about hearing the same instruction, but also about going in the same direction. And the way I would use to illustrate this is it's like having a tow rope attached to a car. And you've got husband and wife, typically husband and wife. They're both on this tow rope. The wife yells, pull! And the bloke is pulling against the woman, the wife, like this. And the wife is pulling against this way. Now, the instruction wasn't wrong, but the direction that they were pulling was. So they have to work together to align the instruction and the direction to get the outcome that they need. Right? And I'm going to bring this into land. And I'm going to use one scripture to encompass everything. So I've done things a little bit backwards, and I do apologize for that, but at the same time, my mind works in a very weird way. So you, it's just me, okay? But some people might connect with this, okay? So I've used scriptures at the beginning, but actually all the points are encompassed in the scripture at the end. If you allow me, I'll read it through with you, okay? Now I'm reading from the message version, which actually... It has the same meaning, but it's a little bit more embellished. But I think it is equally as powerful if you can't find the understanding that you require in some of the translations you need. Okay? So it says this in Ephesians 4, verse 1. In light of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. 
on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction to stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. That doesn't mean that you all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift or resource. And then I'm going to go forward to verse 16, which is we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. I'm going to say that again because it's important. We take our lead from Christ because he is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. So actually, when we're talking about unity, it's not just about us being in unity with one another. Actually, if we follow Christ, we have the same goal. We're all following Christ. He's the one who keeps us in step. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Now, typically of me is because I'm kind of like a teacher I've got homework for you alright I have got something that might aid you in this study because I understand that Sundays I kind of go through a lot of scriptures I go through a lot of illustrations and even if you remember one of them I'm happy but sometimes it requires a bit more in depth and what I've got here is a little printer it's nothing crazy okay but what I've done is I haven't put the full scriptures on there I have only given you the verse and the translation so you have to go away and you have to find it and you have to find out why that is important to unity all right so you've got to do a bit of digging and it's completely optional all right I'm not forcing you to do it Uh, and if you don't want to take this you can take a photo of it and then you can do it whilst you're at home all right fantastic good right one last and final because we're running over one last final illustration of why unity is important right and what I'm going to do is I'm going to get Lisa up again all right can you stand up there for me are you okay (laughs) you're so graceful I need you to know that I'm going to get absolutely mullered for that for the next 10 years Unity is about standing together <laughs> and helping, uh, helping each other up when we fall. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's too late now. It's too late. <laughs> right, let's try and bring this back to the last illustration, okay? No. Lisa might come to me and say, there's a problem. No, I've fallen over right what if I'm the problem and this is Lisa right I'm the problem I'm the problem and I'm going against Lisa 
right? Now, Lisa is a tough nut, and I wish I had picked Liam, all right? But the truth is, there are some times when the problem seems too big. So what, what does Lisa do? Lisa's going to call on one of her friends. Ali, can you come up here and stand, stand not next to her, but behind her, right? So the problem that seems so big, right? suddenly isn't any less big but is suddenly a little bit less daunting and let me tell you this is where unity comes into its own because it requires an element of vulnerability so Lisa would have to come to somebody like Ali and say I'm struggling with this problem I'm struggling with this problem I'm not asking you to find a solution for me but will you stand with me can you stand behind me and then what happens is, what you don't know is Ali's got an army of people that are also behind her. So she's like, oh, I've got a friend. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but they're really struggling at the moment. Can you pray for them? So Liam, Amy, can you come up and can you stand one after the other behind Ali? So all of a sudden, this problem that comes knocking on Lisa's door, suddenly, suddenly, I'm sorry if I dislocate your shoulder, but it's for an illustration. <laughs> suddenly... This problem doesn't know what it's facing because it's not just facing Lisa. Facing the army of people behind her. This is actually what unity is. It is us working together as a picture of Christ that we all have unity, that regardless of the problem, we collaboratively, collectively support one another. That doesn't mean that Ali, who's supporting Lisa, isn't going through problems of her own. But she's got people supporting her. All right? And I'll tell you something now, and I'm going to repeat it because it's important. Before you even stepped foot in this building, people were praying that you would come. And they have been praying for you every day since you did. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Some people of you know that. There are people in this room that have been prayed for before they even entered the building. And they've been prayed for every day since. By name, by person. I know people in this room, they pray for me daily. Now I am grateful because that sets me up on the days that I just don't feel adequate. That my problems feel a little bit bigger. They don't know what I'm up against on that day, but they're still praying for me. Now this is not on the script, so this is purely prophetic. Lisa is our leader. Alright? So Lisa leads from the front. She gets every brunt. Like she's the front of a train, plowing through snow, she gets every bit of snow so that everybody behind her gets an easier path. Now what unity is, is exactly the same thing when it comes to leadership. Where we support our leader, we support the vision. Even if we don't necessarily agree with everything, God has selected Lisa to be in charge of this church. Not me, not Ali, Lisa. The point is, when people are following our leaders, what's happening is they're saying, Lisa's here saying, follow me, but actually she's saying, follow me because I follow Jesus. Jesus is at the front, and, and actually Lisa's so big in her character, she would say, look, even if you don't follow me, follow him. Even if it means that you don't follow me, you don't come to this church, I'd rather you follow him. Because she's that big of a leader. Right, you guys can go sit down. Thank you. That was off the cuff, that one. I'm sorry. Now, all of this is great in teaching. and It is great in principle. But what does that mean for us? I'm going to give you something really, really practical now. Just be open and vulnerable 
with one or two people. I'm not saying if you've got a problem, you come to the whole church and you announce it from the microphone because that's most probably not sensitive enough. However, if you have got something that you are struggling with, unity means that we can support each other. We can share resource. Now, one of the things that I've had is I'm going through something. And then I, I disclose that with one of my friends in church. And before I know it, they'll say, actually, I've been through exactly the same thing. I've been through the same thing three years ago. And I know exactly what you feel. I know exactly what's going on. And I know how I can help you. All right? So maybe just that vulnerability and openness. Can we all stand? We're just going to pray for us all. God, I want to say thank you so much because you are the definition of unity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are triune, you are triunity. You are a picture of wholeness and completeness. Thank you so much because your purpose and your intention for us to be in perfect unity with you has never changed throughout the course of history. Even though our sin is here, you still desire unity with us. And I want to say thank you because you place us in a community and in a body where we can be enveloped, supported, and contribute as well. Thank you because no matter what happens, your desire is for us to walk in the same direction, to be on the same path, to look and feel like you do, to be more like you on this earth. And we pray right now, whatever we are going through, may we not go through it alone. And may we learn what it is to pray for somebody, even if we do not know what problem they're going through. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, why don't you just show some appreciation to Dan.